We are on Yevamos Kufchaf Aleph Amad Aleph 121a, and we are in the middle of our discussion of um, what type of proof is required to say that somebody uh, died while drowning. Uh, the Mishnah discussed uh, two different, essentially, two different cases. One case is where a person drowns, but and and the witnesses are able to see the entire shore, and as such, according to Rabbi according to the majority, and how we rule, because they could see the entire shore, so then uh, we could uh, we could halakhically determine that the person has died if we don't see them come come out, if they, we don't see them uh, survive. Um, and that would be one case. Even in that case, the Gemara will discuss it today, but even in that case, Rav Meir disagrees and says that, no, we still have to be concerned essentially for the highly unlikelihood that somehow they survive. We still have to be concerned for that. Uh, but the other case where Rabbi Yossi agrees that we do not follow the statistical majority because we don't, we don't know with certainty is a case where you cannot see the shore on all four sides from where you are standing. It's called Mayim She'en Lamsof. And because of that, we are concerned that maybe, either because of the waves, or because the person was able to swim, or somehow they were able to survive, and they reached uh, the part of the shore which you're not able to see, so you cannot determine that the person uh, has passed away, that the person has drowned, because it's possible that they survived, and they just ended up on the shore on the other side, where you can't see. Uh, so in that case, Rubiosi agrees that that is not sufficient to determine the person had died. Certainly, you have a statistical majority that uh, there's a high, higher likelihood that uh, the person died, but it's not enough when it comes to halacha. Halacha requires much more than that. Halacha requires essentially um, almost a full proof. Um, so that would exist if you're able to see on all four sides, because where else did the guy go? Uh, because you're looking, you're looking out for him, and you don't see him. Uh, but in the case of Maim Shein himself, where, where you cannot see to the end, so then uh, that would not be viewed as uh, sufficient uh, as sufficient evidence because there's a chance that he, he survived somehow and made it to the other side. Okay, so in that context, Rav Ashi says the following very important statement. Amr Rav Ashi. Rav Ashi says, Rav Ashi says that when we say that it's where you cannot see uh, the entire shore and so therefore we say that for most people uh, you cannot determine that the person has died because it's possible they ended up on the other side and you just didn't see it. He says that only applies to regular people. But when it comes to Torah scholars who are famous, we have famous Torah scholars, we'll see also on the next page that it's not just Torah scholars, but anybody who's really popular, uh, so that if they actually survived, so then there's going to be a call. There's gonna be, people are going to find out about it. You can't, you can't hide from it. So the fact that they, there, there's no call, there's no rumor, Nobody, nobody spotted them. That should be sufficient proof that they didn't end up on the other side. So Rav Ashi says that when it comes to Torah scholars who are very popular, it would be sufficient proof. Perhaps it would be, he says it would be sufficient proof. And the Gemara rejects this and says, no, the lohi, it's not true. Loshna in the loshna di'avid in The Gemara says, first of all, A, it's not true. It's not a good enough proof. Uh, even though we have number one, the fact that the guy was, we saw that he was drowning. We didn't see him come out, but we saw that he was drowning, and it's possible that he came out on the other side, which you can't see. And in addition to that, we have the fact that this this person is a Torah scholar. People know about him; they recognize him, uh, and yet there's no rumor out there that he's still alive. 
All that combined is still not sufficient. They are equivalent to any other person. And the Mepharshim, the commentators explain that essentially what you have in this case is what's referred to as Trey Ruby. We have two different statistical majorities. Basically, there's a statistical majority that the person drowned. Highly unlikely that he'll survive. In addition to that, majority of the time that he does survive, people will be able to identify him because he's, he's, a, he's a popular Torah scholar. Um, people know about him. They can identify him. And there's no rumors out there. So there should also be another majority about the fact that if he's actually alive, so then people would talk about him. So it must be that he's dead. So we have two reasons to assume to, 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 for halacha to determine that the person died, and yet it still doesn't work. Why not? Uh, so many explain that the reason why is because these are about really two different events and two different times. You're right. He drowned once, or it looked like he was drowning. So there's a majority of the time they'll die. Uh, in that case, we would uh, be concerned for the miyat, for the unlikely scenario that he survived. Happens to also be that later on, there's another proof that he's not alive because uh, because there's no rumors. Nobody's, nobody has identified this popular person, this popular t- uh, Torah scholar. That is a separate issue. That's a separate proof. It doesn't connect back to him drowning. It could be that um, you know the, the, the majority of the time that they don't hear from him, it could be something else happened to him. Uh, it doesn't have to directly relate. There's no, there's no direct proof that it relates to him drowning. It, it, it's something which happens later on. Uh, and for that case also, we'll be concerned for the unlikely scenario that this Torah scholar is still alive, and yet nobody has been able to identify him. So each case is independent and on its own. However, what's important is that there are those who want to say, but if you have it at the same exact time, you have you have a situation where there's, in one shot, in one scenario, there are multiple reasons to, to, to assume that this person died, so then we could be lenient. For example, if a person is, let's say, uh, God forbid, <coughs> they have stories. They have stories and discussions of this, uh, real real life stories of a person was pushed off a bridge and hit the ice water, uh, went through the ice water and drowned. Um, again, this is a case where the, you can't see the shore on the other side. But number one, the fact that he drowned alone is, a, is the majority of the time they're going to die. Number two is that he's thrown off the bridge onto hard ice. Uh, it's unlikely from that alone for him to survive. So because of the two combined, it happens basically at the same time, maybe in that case we could be lenient because of the, in that case we have two reasons that are basically happening at the same time. So maybe in that case we could in fact be lenient. So that is a, that is a very big discussion. Uh, and that's the first point of the Gemara when they say that, you know what, Rav Ashi, going back to the Gemara, that Rav Ashi is wrong. It doesn't make a difference. Again, in the end of the day, it does not make a difference if you're a Torah scholar, if you're anybody else, because these are two different uh, reasons that don't apply at the same time. Therefore, we still have to be stringent. But the Gemara has another point, which is also very important. The Gemara says, not, not only are, is it equivalent to anybody else, but for everybody, whether you're a Torah scholar or not, in this ruling that they cannot get married is only a ruling that from the onset, we will not allow this person to get married because we have this concern on a rabbinic level. We have this concern that, you know, we have to be concerned for the highly unlikely scenario that he survived. However, if this person did in fact get married, if this person got married, so then we would say you don't have to get divorced. Why? Because it's only there's only a stringency to say that they can't get married. But if they went against the rules, we told them you can't get married. If they went against the rules and they got married anyways. So then we let them we let them stay married because the chances the, the truth is is that 
Uh, on a biblical level, we would rely on this. This is a rabbinic stringency. So because it's only a rabbinic stringency, we'll say if they already got married, we'll let them stay married. So that's that's a very important point number two, that this is only on an uh, initial level that we'll say that they can't get married. But uh, by the letter of the law, if they got married, then they could stay. They, in fact, could stay married. Okay. So now the Gemara discusses other, other stories, other examples. Tanya was taught in a b'risa. I was once traveling on a boat. I saw another boat which uh, broke. And I was pained by there was a great Torah scholar on that boat. There was a great Torah scholar on that boat. Um, and who was that? It was Rabbi Kiva. And when later on, um, when I when I reached the land, he came to me. Rabbi Kiva came to me, and we started discussing Torah studies. We started talking in halacha. <coughs> so I, I said to him, He said, Rabbi Kiva, how did you get out? I saw that your boat uh, was shattered; it sunk. How did you survive? So Amrli, he said to me, Roshi. He said back that there was a. Uh, one of the planks from the boat came to me, and I held on to that plank, and each time that a wave came, I lifted my head, and I was able to survive that. by that. I was able to survive by the daf, by the page, by the plank uh, that, uh, that, that led the person, led Rabbi Kiva to the shore. And uh, this is a very famous story, uh, which is made famous by the person who started uh, daf, daf Yomi, uh, learning a, a page of Talmud a day, uh, who said that we, this is, he, 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 it was a play on words because daf means board, but daf also means page. And he said that he, he reinterpreted this to say that Rabbi Kiva was saying, every time there's a wave, every single time that there's a certain trouble in my life, but the daf lets me survive. I'm able to survive the, the, the difficulties in life because I, I study the daf. I study the page, the, the page of Talmud. So we, this is not daf yomi, but this is a page a week. So similarly, the page a week gives us the strength to uh, to fight off anything. We 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 are delving into such important uh, gemaras and, uh, and and learning so much. And this is what gives us chiyos. This is what gives us life. Um, and we should we should uh, be thankful for this opportunity as we're fingi- finishing Yevamos and we're continue on to the next track day to to Ksubis. Uh This is an important lesson for everybody and for people that study Dafyomi a page a day. And for us who do a page a week. Um, that Rabbi Kiva, he held on to the daf as he passed, uh, he had to overcome each and every, each and every wave. But continues the Gemara, Mikan Amr Chachamim, the rabbi said based on this story that he was able to survive, they also say that, let's say you have wicked people, you have Rishayim, evil people who come to a person, um, and they start mocking them, so Yenanelo Rosho, he should bend his head before them, that, um, he should restrain himself and not fight with them. Uh, just based uh, based on that story, that you have to sort of you have to uh, bend your head, just like Rabbi Kiva bent his head for every wave. When you have Rishayim, evil people, you have to bend your head. Essentially, don't don't confront them, pass over them, let it pass, and uh, don't start a fight with them. And after Rabbi Gamliel, again, Rabbi Gamliel is the one who saw all of this, and he saw that Rabbi Kiva survived. So he says, "Amarti Bosasha." At that time, I said, "Kame Gedolim Divrei Chacham." He said, "How great are the words of the rabbis?" Sorry, Excuse me, 
They said that if you're able to see the shore and you see that the person didn't come out, then the wife could get married. But if you can't see the shore, uh, so then you don't know, maybe somehow they survived. So here too, Rabbi Kiva was able to survive through this plank of wood. And so that's why we say, this is how great are the words of the Chachamim, to say we have to be concerned. Because there are cases, there are cases where they're able to survive. We don't see the entire shore, so we don't, we're not able to tell whether or not they reached the other side. Next story. Uh, again, the first story was Rabbi Gamliel observing Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva drowning. This story is Rabbi Akiva observing Rabbi Meir. Rabbi, Rabbi Meir's drowning. Tanya, Amr Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva said, Pam achas I was once on a boat, bayam. And there was another boat that was sinking. Similar case. Uh, it didn't break, it didn't shatter, but it was sinking. And I was, I was very uh, pained by the great Torah scholar who was on the boat, Rabbi Meir. When I reached Kaputkiya, so I reached Kaputkiya and Rabbi Meir is there to study with me. I said to him, Who took you out? How did you get out? So he says, Rabbi Meir said back to him, that uh, each wave carried me. Well, the first wave carried me, and then the second wave, until I finally reached uh, the shore. So now Rabbi Kiva is the one who's observing this. Like, in the first case, he was the one experiencing it. But I guess now, because he's observing this, he now has the ability to say the same thing that Rabbi Gamliel said. Sort of, sometimes it's easier to observe it and to comment than to actually be in the experience itself. So he makes the following comment, the same comment as Rabbi, as Rabbi Gamliel. How great are the words of the rabbis? Sha'amru. Uh, that they said that if um, if you're able to see the entire shore, so then if he doesn't come out, we know that he died, his wife could remarry. But if we can't see the entire shore, we have to we have to be concerned for the miracles that could occur, for concerned for the for the unlikely scenario where the person is able to survive, and therefore his wife cannot remarry, just like Rabbi Meir was able to survive. Okay. The Gemara now discusses other scenarios, not just uh, drowning, but other scenarios. Are we concerned or are we not concerned uh, for survival? Taner Rabbanan, it was taught in a Brisa. Nafalagovarayos, if you fell into the lion's den, so ain't we eating a lot? You cannot testify that they died because um, he might not have been killed by the lions. Who said that he was killed by the lions necessarily? However, if you fell into a pit filled with snakes and scorpions, then me eating a lot. Then you could testify that he died. Must be that he died. Rabbi Huda ben Besera Omer. Rabbi Huda ben Besera says, Even if he fell into a pit of snakes and scorpions, when it comes to the lion, it's possible you survive. The lion's sleeping. Uh, it's a bigger area. But if you if you fall into a pit with snakes and scorpions, the first opinion says, you can testify because no chance of survival. Rabbi Huda ben Besera says, No, you still can't testify in that case. Why? Perhaps he uh, was somebody who's a, what's referred to as like a, he has this uh, incantations or magic. He has some way of preventing them from harming him. The first opinion said he could still testify. Why? Because his body was falling on top of them. He fell into this pit. He fell into the snakes. They're going to harm him no matter what. By the lion, you could sort of escape potentially and the lion won't notice you. Uh, the lion's sleeping. When you fall into the pit, you fall into the snakes, the snakes will certainly bite you and kill you. That, that's the opinion of the, of the first opinion. Okay. The Gemara now, we're now on Kufchaf Aleph on Bays 121b, discusses other cases, Tanar Rabbanan, Nafal if you fall into a, a, a fire, a blazing furnace, Meet in a love, you could testify that he died. 
However, uh, sorry. Additionally, if he falls into um, into into a boiling uh, vat of wine or oil, you could also testify about, uh, about that because it's boiling, boiling hot. Rabbi Achla says back, no, it depends. If it's a, a boiling oil, then you can testify because the oil is just getting hotter. Uh, and the oil increases the flame because if you if you fall into it, so then the oil spills over, but it increases the flame. If it's wine, you can't testify because if it's wine, it's going to extinguish the flame. Because wine is a, is a liquid that will extinguish the flame. Uh, the first opinion said, no, you, you can testify in both cases that the person died. And they respond back by saying it's true. It extinguishes it a little bit in the beginning. But then afterwards, the wine increases the flame. So the person will certainly, will certainly die, according to the first opinion. So that person, the person will, in fact, die. Okay, those are all different cases of not just drowning, but also other cases of going into lion's den or scorpion, falling into a pit or into a fire. The Gemara now returns back to the Mishnah. Again, the Mishnah said that according to Rav Meir, Rav Meir argues on Rav Yossi and the majority, Rav Meir says that even in a Maim Sheisham Sof, even in, let's say, like a well, where a person could see on all four sides, if the person didn't come out, uh, so then he, then we can assume that he drowned and he died, because you can see on all four sides. If he was really alive, he would have come out. We would have seen him. Rav Meir says that, no, it's not true. Even in case of Maim Sheisham Sof, you still have to be concerned that he survived. And he brings a proof. He says there's a story where somebody fell into a well and they came out three days later. They came out three days later. So based on that story, we could say that, you know what, we don't have full proof. So Tanya, it's Tanya and Abraisa. They said to Rameir, how could you bring that as a proof? Don't bring me a proof from miracles. That must have been a miracle. It was an abnormal situation. The Gemara wants to know, what was the miracle? My What exactly was the miracle that the guy came out after three days? If it's the fact that how could he, he didn't eat or drink for three days, so how, how could he survive that? No, it's possible that a person could fast for three days straight. They bring a proof from the perm story. The fact that Esther told the Jewish people to fast for three days it seems like here, even at night they would fast three days straight. So you could survive fasting for three days. It is possible. Gemara says, you know what? This is the miracle. Uh, that it, it's impossible. El Delonaim, he never, he didn't sleep for three days. Person can't sleep for three days. A person who takes an oath that they won't sleep for three days, the court gives him lashes for it because it's an oath in vain, and he should go to sleep right away. It's impossible. It's impossible to, to, to not sleep for three days. So it's a miracle. If it's a miracle, you can't bring me a proof from a miracle. How is he able to survive? So Rameir says back, Rameir, my time, what's the logic behind Rameir? How can he bring a proof from there? Amr of Kahana. Rav Kahana says, Kipin Agav Kipin Havu. It was a well where there was layers and levels of arches on top of another, and he was able to support himself and sleep by supporting himself. It wasn't as big of a miracle as you're making it sound out to be. But Rabbana, the rabbi, say back, What are you talking about? It's made out of marble. You can't hold on to it. It's very smooth and soft. You're going to fall down. Can't hold on to it. Rameir, Iyashad, Dilo, Misrach, Vinayim, Porta. Ramirez says back, still, he can sleep a little bit. He can grasp it for a little bit and still and still sleep. Okay. 
So that's the dispute between Rameyer and the majority opinion. Rameyer tried to bring a proof from this case, and he said, it's, you can bring a proof, it wasn't as big a miracle as you're, as you're saying. And the response back is that, no, it's still a very, very big miracle, you can't bring a proof from that case. Okay. Now the Gemara continues on for a little bit longer, till the Mishnah, we'll just uh, read the next couple of lines to the Mishnah. Tana Rabbanan was taught in a b'risa, there was an incident involving the daughter of Nechunya, the well digger, who would uh, dig wells, really. Um, he, he dug wells for people who were uh, coming to Yerushalayim every three times a year for the holidays. They were Ola Liregalim. They came to the base of Migdash three times a year, so he had wells that he made for people to drink from. And his daughter fell into one of the wells. They told Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, a great rabbi, and Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa said, he basically said, it's impossible for her to die. It's impossible for her to die in the exact well where he's doing all these mitzvos, all these chasadim, these chesed, these acts of kindness to other Jews by providing wells for them, for them to drink along the way, along the journey. It's impossible that the daughter died. And what happened? By the first hour he said, she's at peace, she's not hurt. After another hour, uh, once again, after another hour, he, uh, he says also, she's at peace. Shlishis, the third hour, Amr Lehem also. They told, he, he, he told them, she came out. She came out of the well. Um, and Amr La, uh, when she comes to, she went to Rabbi Hanim Mendoza, he said to her, Biti, mi, mi halach, how'd you get out? How are you able to get out? He, he asks her. He, he was confident that she'd be able to survive. So he asks her, how did you get out? Amr La, she said to him, Zachar shal rechalim nizdamin li vizakin manhigo. Uh, she said there was an old man who was leading, uh, who, uh, who, who was, there was an old man uh, there who, pull, who pulled her out. Um, and so she was pulled out by this old man. So Amrulo, so they asked Rebbe Chinim Mendoza, Naviata, how did you know that she would be able to survive? How did you know that she was able to survive? So Amr Lehem, he said to them, He said, I'm not a prophet. I, I can't tell the future. But it's something that a tzaddik, a righteous person, is totally involved in and doing so many mitzvahs with, <coughs> is it really possible for his daughter to be killed and to die from that experience? It's impossible. Uh, but just to point out, this, this old man that we're referring to here, uh, who also is with, uh, it says that he, there was, uh, he was with sheep, he was with a ram. So the old man refers to Avram, that Avram was the one who uh, took her out, and the ram refers to Yitzchak. Um, Yitzchak is referred to as a ram, uh, from Akedah Yitzchak, from the binding of Isaac. Um, and so really they were the ones who, uh, who let her out. They, 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 they helped her survive. The Gemara continues though, and says, Even though the daughter was able to survive from the well, um, we'll see that for the righteous, they are very much scrutinized in terms of their actions. They are held to a higher standard, and someone was deserving of death, and his son then died. His son died out of thirst. So this is also has to do with water. He didn't die in the well itself, uh, but he died out of thirst. Uh, it says, Around Hashem it storms mightily. This person was very holy, the one who was the Nechunya, the digger of these wells. And Hashem is exacting with those who are very righteous, who are very close with Him. And so uh, they're punished even, even harsher. And so therefore, the son did die. Um, there must have been something that he did, that on his level he did something which is wrong, which was deserving of, of a death of a, a child. The daughter survived, but the son did die. 
Rabbi Chanina Amar Mahacha, Rabbi Chanina quotes a different verse for this. El Naretz Pesok Kedoshim Rabbah Benora Al Kol Svivav. The Pasuk, the verse says in, in Tehillim, a God dreaded in the great council of the Holy Ones and feared by all those that are around him. That Hashem is most feared by those that are closest to him because the righteous, they are judged uh, with more scrutiny. Um, they are, every detail Hashem looks over. Um, and so therefore this, this son died. So that concludes this Gemara. This really concludes the Gemara about um, what is deemed as, uh, as a sufficient evidence to assume that the person died halakhically versus not. That really concludes uh, this discussion. The next mission we'll discuss uh, going back to who could testify. Uh, but along the way we had these very interesting stories about um, what would uh, about uh, the righteous, the fact that uh, the, the child won't die with the same action that the righteous are involved with, um, about how uh, and about how, how people who are very righteous and close to Hashem, that they are judged on a, on a, on a stricter level. Okay, this concludes the Gemara, and we'll continue with the Mishnah in the next recording.